This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, well. What do we have here? Welcome back, I should say. Sal Capaccio here, the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. It has been quite a while since September. What's that? October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Seven months since we had a podcast here. And I guess I should apologize to all of you for not having one in seven months, but also owe you an explanation. And I hope it's worthy enough for you to accept uh, the explanation. And really, that's because... Uh, We've had a lot of different changes uh, since September. That's when the Extra Point Show started on WGR. The Extra Point Show runs 10 to noon. Myself, Joe DiBiase. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's just Joe. Sometimes it's both of us. But, you know, basically when that started and that happened, it kind of took away a little bit more of my time and ability to do something like this. But I've always kind of wanted to find the right space to still do it. Just haven't been able to and wasn't able to really during the season much. I think I had a couple episodes during the season and then kind of just dialed it back and really never got back into doing this. But here we are today on Tuesday, April 19th. And for good reason, going to chat with Mike North, the vice president of broadcasting for the NFL. And it's always one of the best conversations I have every year. I've talked with Mike for the last couple of years here in the podcast. And last year, Mike, um, his podcast vaulted this podcast, his interview vaulted this podcast into the top 50, maybe even top 25 of the of North American podcast, sports related podcasts. Amazing. And I have to thank him. I have to thank all of you. It was amazing. I think you remember that when that happened, I was just so honored and thrilled. So I appreciate that. So kind of, I've been sitting on this for a while and knew that, you know, Mike would be my entry point back into doing the podcast. But that being said, not going to have a set timetable to, to do these again, and I kind of want to lay out what I want to do here for this particular podcast, which is it's not always going always to be Bills-related. Uh, it never has been always Bills-related. Oftentimes it is, but it's about people. It's about stories. It's about just talk. It's about interesting conversations and, like I said, life. Um, whatever comes about, like the very first time I ever did this podcast several years ago was Joe Lazito in New York, who was attacked on a subway by a serial killer and he actually survived it. And he's a bills fan. He talked about his story and it's amazing. I had Robbie Takak on last year, a couple of years ago, uh, during a summer episode. That was amazing. He's a, the guitarist for the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, we've done that. I've had a lot of different kinds of people different stories, news anchors on and stories that they've shared about, you know, covering presidencies, just you can go back into the archives at Sal Sports and stuff and, you know, check that out. And you can find that at WGR550.com. You can find that on our, you know, Odyssey platforms. You can find that on Apple iTunes, of course, and even on Spotify. Uh, other places, too. I, I, I don't even know where half these things are being put anymore when I upload the audio. But I haven't done this in a while. And I've wanted to. And I can't promise I'm going to do a ton of them. But I still want to do them once in a while because I've always been interested in that side of things. I've always been interested in just talking with people about life and about interesting stories and putting them out there. Um, whether it's from, you know, incredibly like amazing, like I said, the Joe Lazito story and getting attacked and luckily he survived to when I had DJ Milk on and he talked about, you know, the loss of his young son in a car accident uh, years ago. And, you know, we really, there was a lot of emotion in that one. And, and I like, I like talking to people about those kinds of things and peeling back the curtain on a lot of things that I do as well for a lot of you. So I think that's going to be the goal here going forward to try and do it. But I have to share this story with you of one of the big reasons why I really decided I have to do some more Sal stuff and sports podcasts. So as I just said, I haven't done one since September. And recently, I'd say maybe two months ago, uh, my wife, Yana, and my son, Max, I say her name a lot now because she said to me one time, 
you always say your wife on air. You don't say my name. And I'm like, I guess you're right. I don't know. I Sometimes I don't know. If I say her name, I don't know if people know who I'm referring to. But hopefully by now you do. It's been so long. So I just say Yana, my wife, Yana. So Yana, my wife, and Max, my son, uh, and me, we were all walking. In, we were in the mall. And we were in a store in the mall. And... You know, people say hi to me all the time. They recognize me. They know who I am. And that's cool. And you always, and, and I love it. You know, I love saying hi to people and being recognized for what I do. And people say, hey, good to meet you. Take a picture. That's all great. And it's amazing meeting people. But this particular gentleman, we're in the mall. And he said, hey, you know, you're Sal Capaccio. I said, yes, I am. He said, I have to tell you. He said, I am a state trooper. And I'm in my car a lot. He said, but, you know, I went through a really bad divorce recently. And in that divorce, he said, I had to drive from, you know, Buffalo to, I think he said Binghamton several like times over a several month period to go back and forth. And, and I get kind of emotional even thinking about what he said to me. He said, I listen to your podcast all the time. It got me through. It was a pretty dark, dark time in my life. And I just enjoyed listening to you. And that just really struck me. And it struck me that, and by the way, I'm not saying maybe I don't, I'm not saying he was in his state troopers patrol car doing that. He just said that he was in his car a lot and he was a state trooper kind of separate, I guess, but however he was listening, it just struck with me and it stuck with me. I should say that here's this guy who was going through a really tough time in his life and just this particular podcast, my voice, my stories, doing what I do helped him. And I, I just, I didn't know what to say to him other than I hope everything's good with you now. I hope everything's okay. I can't, you know, I'm super honored to hear that. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, everything was positive after that. We talked about it and I just, I was just kind of blown away. And that day I said to my wife, I said, I got to do these podcasts again. You never know who's listening. I talk with my boss about this all the time at WGR. We say, you never know who's listening. And there's always people out there who These kinds of things, whether it's radio or podcasting, whatever it is, it impacts them them in a profound number of different ways. And some people just listen casually, and that's cool. Some people listen just for the sports stuff or whatever story they want to hear. And for this guy to say, listening to your podcast got me through on these trips that I had to take. And he was was emotional talking to me, and I'm emotional now thinking about it. And what that meant to him. So I want to say, you know, to him, thank you for telling me that and opening up. I I don't remember his name and I apologize. I think it might've been like Jamie or something along those lines, but I just, I really appreciate him saying that to me and opening up about that. And it really got me to think that, you know, this is important to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, whether it's just because they're sports fans and they want to hear Mike North talk about the schedule or a Google Dolls fan who wants to hear Robbie Takak talk to a guy in Buffalo about doing the July 4th concert years ago downtown, or just because you need a distraction in your life. So that's why I want to do this again, and I hope to do it more often. I can't promise how often. I think it has to be the right person. It has to be the right interview. It has to be the right topic and conversation, but I'm hoping to do that more, and I'm hoping to have more of those right people, right topics, right conversations. And on the heels of all that, I'll also tell you, there's a lot more coming on the bills, a lot more coverage from me, ways you're going to hear things, different things, even on top of the extra point show. Uh, We're in a time period, a golden age for the bills. I think we're really entering this. We've kind of been there and there's a lot of stuff to digest and talk about with this team. And I can't get enough of it. It's what I love to do. It's what I grew up wanting to do. I'm doing it now. And I appreciate all of you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading Please download, please subscribe, subscribe to South Sports and stuff, subscribe to the Extra Point Show, anything else that you start seeing coming out really helps. I appreciate it so much. And as I just said, the Bills now in this, what I'm going to call like golden age, golden era of football they're entering with Josh Allen and how they resonate around the country. And that's why Mike North, the VP of broadcasting, joins me on the South Sports and Stuff podcast to talk about the schedule for 2022 and what it might hold for not only the Buffalo Bills, but what it might look like on a week-to-week basis and all the different juggling acts they have to do from TV partners to um, new new faces in new places, Tom Brady retiring, unretiring, We talk about it all here on the podcast, and I appreciate you listening in. 
All right. First of all, Mike, I want to say thank you again for doing this. Every time I have you on my podcast, it blows up. Bills fans, everybody is so interested in the schedule. I'm a schedule geek. You do this for a living. You're a schedule geek. But last year when you came on, I have to thank you. I should send you a trophy or something because I actually cracked the top 25 of all sports podcasts in North America for that episode. So thank you so hey, much. Congratulations. <laughs> it's awesome, man. No, you, you're great at what you do and you give a lot of info and there's all these little nuggets and people are always hanging on it. So um, let's get right to it. Shall we? Um, first of all, uh, let's talk about last year. Let's rewind into last year because I'm interested about the 17 game season and you know what you thought of how that unfolded with the schedule for you guys. Was it more challenging, less challenging, more options? Uh, did it just throw a monkey wrench into it? Like how did all that work out for you guys? A uh, bit of both, Sal. It was uh, good and bad. Um, let's take the good first. Obviously, we converted a preseason weekend to a regular season weekend. Um, you know, I, I think our fans obviously uh, would prefer to watch and attend uh, a regular season game instead of a preseason game. So that was an easy win. Uh, as far as, you know, the actual inventory we created, uh, I think you and I talked about this last year. There was a lot of discussion about how to create a 17th game, yep. you know, everything was pretty aligned and, and pretty, you know, mathematically optimal, at least four teams in each division, four divisions in each conference. Everybody played 16 games. I mean, there was a lot of logic and, 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 you know, math and science and strategy to how it all worked out, throwing everything into an odd number begat some conversations about, all right, how do you create this extra game? And we talked a lot about things like maybe a rivalry game, you know, maybe the Jets and Giants should play each other every year, the Rams and yep. Chargers, the, you know, Bills and Giants or the Bills and Browns, whatever it is. Uh, you could probably get halfway through the league with some pretty good rivalry matchups that you'd want to watch or see every year. After that, you're, you're kind of creating them. I know they'd probably manifest themselves over the course of time if you played each other every year, but not sure that that was the right approach. Definitely settled early in the process on it needing to be an interconference game, AFC versus NFC. It wouldn't be right if teams in the AFC played different number of home games as they were battling for, you know, a wild card spot or the one seed. So we settled pretty quickly on an interconference game. Couldn't quite get all the way there with the rivalry idea. And then it really became a question of, you know, another standings based game. The good part about it, obviously, is you create more one versus one kind of inventory, including a game last year like Green Bay, Kansas City. You know, you get more of those division champs playing each other, more Super Bowl previews, perhaps, or Super Bowl rematches from previous years. Um, so that part, all good. Love having an extra week to play with. Love having more quality inventory. And, and I think our fans really appreciated, you know, one less preseason game. The flip side of that is, as you and I have talked a little bit in the past about some of the math and science behind this mathematical exercise that we do here, the solution space is already essentially infinite. There's no way we get through it all the way every year. And we didn't just double it or triple it by adding one more game one more week. We exponentially increased what was already an unmanageably large solution space. <laughs> so definitely had to, you know pull some levers and, and work on some bells and whistles just for us to, you know, get through the solution space, find viable solutions every year. Took a little while. I'm not sure we've completely cracked the code, but um, you know, it, it made searching through the infinite solution space even harder, but the schedules that we found, I think were better. So bit of both, uh, but no going back now, obviously we're, we're here to stay with the 17 over 18. The thing that sticks into my mind about last year a little bit, some of the games, the big highlights that we talked about, you know, like Brady going back to New England and like how you said, you know, that's the kind of game that you want to make sure he's playing in. You know, you want to have it a little bit earlier in the season. You guys did like week four or five. You can refresh my memory on that. And um, it was huge, right? It was like the big storyline. How did some of the big games that you guys really targeted? Do you feel good about where they landed and, and how they were treated and how it ultimately turned out for you guys? Yeah, I mean, look, the truth of the matter is we're building a schedule here in March and April that's not going to get rolled out until September and, you know, through to December. So good luck to any of us projecting, right. you know, who's going to be good, who's going to be healthy, who's going to be in a playoff chase. Um, you know, wasn't a whole lot of Cincinnati Bengals games on national television in last year's schedule. And next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl. I'd expect there to be more Bengals games on national television this year. I hope they're not five and 12, you know, so we only react to what we see. And uh, yeah, to your point last year, I thought our tent poles uh, performed really well. It started with the very first game. 
you know, Dallas Tampa Bay for kickoff, the, the kickoff game generally performs how it performs. There's probably a floor to it and there's probably a ceiling to it. So you could debate about whether you need to put, you know, your absolute best asset into that window. Um, but a Dallas game with Dax return into Tom Brady, into the Bucks raising a banner and a game that came down to the very end, you know, got us off to a really good start. So it all kind of snowballed from there. The Tampa New England game, as you mentioned, NBC's highest rated Sunday night game in, I think, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and to NBC's credit, you know, they got behind it. You may remember, you know, that Adele promo, Hello from the Other Side, that was awesome. Yes. And they had a whole sort of, you know, roadblock across all the NBC properties. You know, the Today Show was talking about it. They were talking about it during Premier League coverage. Like it was drilled into everybody's head that Tampa New England is this week and people showed up at kickoff and again you know we're all subject to how good the games are that was was another one came down to the end a one touchdown game so it did a monster number we were really happy with that I mentioned Green Bay Kansas City a little earlier we purposely slotted that one kind of in the middle of the season and of course by the time we got to it that's when Aaron Rodgers had his COVID diagnosis so a little unlucky there still performed well Uh, And that was the week before, you know, the biggest game of the season or the most watched game of the season was Raiders Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Again, you had two teams in the playoff chase, everybody relatively healthy and a game that was a shootout to the end and went into overtime on a day that is generally a highly viewed NFL window. Uh, As you know, the Bills have been in it before. So, you know, some of the ones that we kind of rolled the dice on, cross our fingers and hoped turned out great. Uh, a couple others, maybe not as good as we had hoped. Uh, you'll remember, you know, there was still some uncertainty around Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers uh, last year around draft day. That's so right. We weren't a hundred percent sure what we were getting from the Packers. Um, so kind of backloaded their schedule a little bit with some of their national television games. They played two Sunday night games in December. They played Christmas day. Um, those games performed well, uh, might've been better, you know, if they played the bears or Vikings a little earlier in the season. So, you know, best laid plans, you never know. I think for the most part, you know, the biggest games in the biggest windows tends to be how we try to attack this thing. And, you know, I think we talked specifically even last year about the Monday nighter in Buffalo, that Patriots bills game with that crazy weather and the crazy wind and the Patriots not throwing the ball once, you know, that actually turned out to be a pretty good story as well. So I think we hit on most of what we set out to accomplish. Was it perfect? No, never is. But I think for the most part, you know, the right teams in the right windows, the right viewership numbers for our partners. And then I think, or I hope at least as we headed into the postseason, you know, everybody kind of had gotten to know the Rams a little bit with Matthew Thafford, gotten to know the Bengals a little bit with Joe Burrow, gotten to know some of these teams that were making deep playoff runs and then obviously really fortunate with how good the postseason was every game seemingly coming down to the last play. I'm not sure we're going to be able to duplicate that, but I'd love to. That's a great segue. Cause I wanted to talk about the playoffs a little bit. Yeah. That bills Patriots game, the early one. I mean, I was on the sidelines for it. It was pretty intense and incredible. And then, you know, ESPN did a story on it. it people like me were interviewed for it. it was pretty crazy. And then of course they match up in the, for the third time in the playoffs. And I remember, I remember Mike going into that week and everybody wondering, will the bills get the, the night game, the Monday night game, that new Monday night game. And then when the schedule came out and I realized, and people had pointed it out to me, there had to be a specific kind of maybe the seating that had to be in that Monday night window for that new Monday night game because of the disadvantages of a team traveling. Can you kind of explain how you guys walk through figuring out who would play in that extra Monday night wildcard game? Yeah. I mean, the Monday night wildcard game essentially replaced the Saturday one o'clock Eastern wildcard game where I think the bills were a couple of years ago. Right. I think they played mm-hmm. Indy that opening Saturday. Right. You know, that's, that, that's a lot to ask our fans. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday on wildcard weekend is a lot of football. Um, so if we could take it into a two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday model, I think everybody was on board with the concept. ESPN obviously was really happy to do it because, you know, the viewership Monday night, particularly for ESPN, who's established, you know, a foothold there versus that early Saturday time slot, I think was a win for everybody. The challenge always was going to be competitively. And so what we set out to do, at least in year one, was to see if we could put a four versus five game on Monday night, a wildcard weekend. What that did was it allowed the other two teams from that conference. So we put the four or five game in the NFC, 
Rams Cardinals on Monday that allowed the other four teams who played in the NFC wildcard round Niners Cowboys and Bucks Eagles they knew when their games were over they were either playing each other the following Saturday they were playing the one seed the following Saturday or they were playing they were waiting for the winner of the Monday night game the following Sunday you play a 4-5 game on Monday you give everybody as much certainty as you possibly can you still might have an either or situation but at least you give everybody as much certainty as you can at least in terms of what day they're playing if we go to a 2-7 or a 3-6 game on Monday now nobody knows anything i mean you know you're playing one of two options but you had that anyway, but you only had it for one team. Now you'd have it for everybody. That's not to say we'd never play a two, seven or a three, six game on Monday. Right. I think what happened last year worked out really well. The four five in the NFC was a relatively short trip for Arizona to come over to LA. Those teams obviously knew each other pretty well, played each other a couple times already and play each other twice every year. The risk was going to be in the following week, asking the winner of that game, if they had to go cross country to the East coast on what was now a short week. And it was Rams at Bucks the following Sunday. So short week cross country. And obviously the Rams got the win. So it's hard to say that it was competitively unfair. Would we always play a four or five game on Monday? Maybe not. But if we could, and it makes sense for all of our television partners, all of our travel, all the considerations that we have, I think it makes, you know, the transition from wildcard weekend to divisional weekend as easy as we can make it, knowing that there's some uncertainty by playing on Monday night. I, I was seeing that there, obviously we know that the TV contracts and the rights, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I know that next year is going to be maybe the last year of direct TV. We'll see all of that. Like you're going to have some new players involved here, right? I mean, what are the, what is that like? Kind of get to know these people telling them how it works, how their feedback and what they want. Apple TV, get involved. All this kind of stuff now is happening. You guys have to be on top of all of that and to kind of make these partners and everybody's got to understand how all of this works. It's been a long time since the NFL onboarded a new live game broadcast partner, right? It was probably when Fox came in back in the early nineties. So it's been an awfully long time. Um, Look, Amazon has a lot of experience in sports. I don't know how much, how familiar you are with some of their premier league coverage, but they obviously have experience in sports. They know what they're doing um, and they're going to be a good partner for us. There's Definitely going to be a learning curve. There's going to be, you know, a transition for our fans. Um, You know, I live and breathe it. So I've known for a year now that uh, Thursday Night Football was likely to be on a streaming partner. But when I talk to my friends and family, you know, people are still surprised to hear, wait, Thursday nights are on Amazon or on Prime. I have to get a subscription and I can only watch it on my smartphone or on my uh, smart TV. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a transition. Uh, That's surely the biggest change that we have next year. Um, but you know, not that long ago, cable television was the wild, wild west and what the NFL is putting games on ESPN that can't be right. Uh, and now it's, you know, accepted. So I'm, I I don't know that it's going to be, um, you know, an instant adaptation by our fans. I'm sure there's going to be some slow growth and I'm sure we have to amplify for everybody. And, you know, you do that by putting good games on, right. With all due respect to, you know, some of the teams that haven't had a whole lot of success last few years, you know, you probably have to go with some of your bigger brands, your bigger teams, your bigger names, your bigger stars and put them on Amazon and force fans to realize, Oh, wait a minute. I can't just turn on my television. I need an Amazon subscription. Most people have one already. Anyway, something like 200 million people or more have, have a prime account. So the, the fish are there. We just got to make sure that, you know, we're giving them, you know, the right fish food, if that makes any sense. So uh, I think that it's going to take a year or two for everybody to fully transition. But I hope when you and I are having this conversation three, four, five years from now, it's an afterthought. You know, it's just another broadcast outlet. When we sit down at our televisions, it doesn't matter whether we're going to CBS or ESPN Plus or Amazon Prime. Wherever the games are, we'll go find them. And and like I said, I think fans of the Premier League have started to figure that out with Peacock and things like that. You know, the Champions League soccer on Paramount. Fans know now to go find their sports that they care about. So Amazon will be a big one. We've got a game on ESPN Plus next year, probably one of the European games. Uh, We've got side-by-side Monday night games one week next year where we're going to have one game on ABC and one game on ESPN, two different games. So a bit of an overlap there, if not one after the other. 
Um, so there's a lot of new wrinkles that are coming in this year's schedule as we've accelerated some of the rights forward from the new deals. And then, as you mentioned, the, the truly new rights, the new television packages kick in next year in 2023. Can you refresh all of our listeners what any rules might be pertaining to uh, being on prime time? Are there any rules at all? There used to be every team's got to be featured at least one night game. I think you've gone away from that, right? Like, is there any sort of rule you have to follow with teams uh, and how often they have to be on or not be on? The challenge of the Thursday night package in and of itself is that, you know, every team in the league can only play one short week. So if you're going to play, you know, three Thanksgiving games plus 15 Thursday night games on Amazon, you know, you're already over the limit. So there's going to be teams that are going to have to play two short week games right. next season. And so just by definition, then everybody's getting a national television appearance. Is it a rule in the league? Not like it used to be. Now it's more of a reality of the mouths we have to feed. Uh, so everybody's going to get a national television appearance. You can appear in prime time, I think six times as scheduled, seventh if we need you for flex and then if we really needed you if you get into week 18 you might even find half your games you know in a national television window in quote unquote prime time you can discuss debate whether you know a saturday afternoon at 4 30 should count as prime time it's it's less about in prime time for your television as much as it is for your fans right. you know there are definitely teams particularly out west where they play every home game in prime time if they could but obviously back here in the East, particularly it gets later in the season and the weather turns a little colder. Not sure it's right to ask the fans to turn out for half the games or more at night in the cold. So trying to balance not so much the television partners as it is really the fan friendliness aspect. The good news is if you're in prime time, whether you're scheduled there or flexed into it, it's because you're good, right? It's because your games matter. It's because there's playoff implications. That part's good. And hopefully that, you know, eases some of the fans' concerns about coming out for the cold weather games. Uh, but you can find yourself, uh, I think that the maximum number now is is eight total if everything broke exactly the right way or, or the wrong way. Um, it's less, again, about uh, how many times can you be on NBC or ESPN or how many times can you be flexed. It's really more about how do we distribute the total number of games for each teams across all of our partners? There's still some rules about AFC teams having to be on CBS a minimum number of times, NFC teams having to be on Fox. And then certainly for the good games, the bigger brands, the, you know, projected high viewership numbers, we're going to want some of those in prime time. And, and so are the clubs. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that the number of times and how it's actually calculated. So one of the debates from bills fans, when we've gone through this is kind of looking at it, it might not even matter this question, but do you count like Thanksgiving 4 PM as a prime time game, quote unquote, like the Saturday, yeah, the Saturday four thirty game. Right. You know what I mean, again, definition of prime time, Probably not. Right. But when we say prime time, what we're really talking about is taking away the game from Sunday afternoon. It's a takeaway from CBS and Fox. Once you've taken it away from your Sunday afternoon partner, whether it goes to NFL Network or Amazon Prime or NBC or ESPN on a Saturday or a Monday or a Thursday, really doesn't matter. I mean, from our standpoint, it's about managing the available inventory and ensuring that, to your point, you know, we still have to have a minimum number of Bills games on CBS every year. Once we've hit that minimum, whatever is left over, whether we deploy it to primetime or the afternoons or NFL Network or Saturday packages or Thanksgiving Day, really doesn't matter to CBS. You know, they focus on what they keep, not necessarily what they lose. So at that point, it's less about anything contractual. And again, more about what's fair to the team from a competitive standpoint. You know, Monday Night Football is still a thing and it's still a brand. Maybe it's a little different than when you and I grew up, but it's still a thing. But, you know, nobody wants to play three games on the road on a Monday night in a given year. Right, right. You know, Saturdays are short weeks on the previous week, but a little bit longer on the back. So some teams say, sure, we'll take a Saturday game. We'll be one day rest discrepancy down heading into the Saturday window. If it means an extra day getting ready for, you know, a late season game, hopefully against a division opponent with playoff implications, you know, these things tend to balance themselves out over time. But as you and I have been talking about over the past couple of years, you know, the days of every bills game being Sunday, one o'clock on CBS are over. 
So yeah. there's going to be a lot of uh, non-conformity in the Bills' schedules as long as they continue to perform like they have these last few years. And that means odd weeks. That means non-routine weeks for players and coaches and for fans. Mike North, VP of Broadcasting with the NFL here on the podcast. Mike, this year, Christmas and New Year's both fall on a Sunday. It's not unique. It's happened before. How are you guys treating that this year? Uh, Christmas, we will uh, take the bulk of our games, the Sunday afternoon games on CBS and Fox, 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock Eastern. We'll move those to Saturday. So we're going to play most of our games on Saturday, December 24th. We'll have our usual 1 o'clock window six or eight, 10 games, whatever it is. We'll have our usual four o'clock window, three or four or five games there. We will play on Saturday night on the NFL network on Christmas Eve. And then when we get to Sunday, Christmas day, we'll have a triple header. We'll play one game on CBS in the afternoon, one game on Fox in the afternoon and our regular Sunday night game on NBC Christmas. When it falls on an NFL game day, We've had a lot of success there. I'll do respect to our friends at the NBA. Right. You know, when we can play football on Christmas, it has proven to be something that our fans are, are interested in. We had Minnesota, New Orleans a couple of years ago. That game did 20 million viewers. We had Cleveland Green Bay last year. That game did 30 million viewers. It was followed by Indy, Arizona on the NFL Network. That one performed well. I mean, our fans are telling us that we know they watch on Thanksgiving, they're happy to watch on Christmas too. So when we can, we will find games for windows on Christmas. Again, if it falls on a Sunday, that makes perfect sense. Next year, Christmas hits on a Monday. So I'd imagine we'll do something pretty similar. If not a triple header, at least a double header, um, you know, 2024 Christmas is a Wednesday. I'm not <laughs> sure we're going to play on Wednesday, but uh, when, when we can play on Christmas, we will. Um, and then as you look ahead to New Year's, uh, we'll stay as scheduled. We'll play Sunday, January 1. The bowl games, most of them are going to move. There's going to be a few on Saturday, a few on Monday. Um, so we've generally worked it out with uh, college football folks and, and the bowl guys that uh, when Jan 1 falls on a Sunday, we'll go ahead and play our regular schedule, and they'll just kind of slide around and, and move their games as necessary uh, so that fans can watch both. All right. Before I get to the bills, we'll do that in a second. I, I do want to ask you how the Tom Brady retirement unretirement thing has changed with you guys. If at all, like did, did, was there a, a thinking going on a month ago versus what it is now and how all that has kind of morphed itself, I guess. Yeah, no question. I mean, this whole, the whole gig here is to, you know, maximize the value, the return of each one of these 272 assets. You know, that's how we think about these games. These are opportunities for us to deliver, you know, entertaining product to as many fans as we possibly can. So each of these 272 games is worth something. Uh, the Tampa Bay games, when Tom Brady is their quarterback, are worth X. The Tampa Bay games, when Tom Brady is not their quarterback, are probably worth less than X. <laughs> so we spent the first couple of weeks of the scheduling process this year trying to manage and anticipate, you know, what are we going to do with these Tampa games without Tom Brady? They have an incredible, incredible schedule this year. They play Dallas, they play Green Bay, they play Kansas City, they play Pittsburgh and Baltimore, they play Cincinnati, they play the Rams. They've got an incredible schedule. Um, but those assets are surely worth a little bit less. I'll do respect to, you know, Blaine Gabbard or whoever was going to be the quarterback if Tom stayed retired. You know, those assets are worth a little less without you know, the goat under center. When he came back, it was an all system stop, stop all the computers, <laughs> stop everything that we've been working on and let's reevaluate and reassess. And now all these assets are back to what we thought they were going to be worth, you know, back when we first started before he retired. So it definitely made a difference. It would be, you know, silly to say it didn't, um, but they were still, you know, a playoff team, a 13 win team. It wasn't like they were going to go from, you know, six primetime games to zero. They were still going to be on primetime, but now they'll have a schedule more like what we have come to expect in previous years from Tampa, a bunch of Sunday nights, Monday nights, Thursday night, they'll have double header games, the 425 window on Sunday. And don't forget they're going to Germany. So they're going to have right. an international game. And again, I'm sure a Tampa Bay game in Germany would have been awesome regardless of who was their quarterback, 
it's awesomer <laughs> if Tom Brady's their quarterback. So, um, yeah, look, Brady's retirement, uh, Russell Wilson getting traded, yeah. um, you know, all the quarterback movement, whether it's Matt Ryan, there's still maybe a few more dominoes to fall. If you think about Garoppolo and Mayfield, um, you know, we're trying to react in real time, just like the fans do. Uh, if something happens that changes the value of each of these 272 assets, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't, you know, build a schedule to reflect the changing value of these assets. So we're watching everybody's Twitter feeds and, and the transaction wire like everybody else and waiting for all the movement to stop. Uh, and it's not just the quarterbacks, right? Khalil Mack moving to the Chargers was big. Tyreek Hill moving to the Dolphins was big. Each of those moves has a downstream impact on the value of each of these 272 games. And so we are constantly readjusting, reevaluating, and hopefully redeploying them in an optimal way. All right, let's get to the uh, meat of what my listeners really care about most. That is the Buffalo Bills. We've talked a lot the last couple of years how they have really kind of shifted in the in the national landscape. But now it's not even just the Bills. I have said many times on the radio, Mike, everybody seems like they want a piece of Josh Allen. Like ever said, the, the loss in Kansas City may have done more for his football stardom mm-hmm. than any win he's ever had. He's on every podcast and video. He's in this match now and the golf match. How important is Josh Allen to making this schedule uh, around the league as, as far as anybody's concerned? Uh, he's got to be one of the top, what, three, four, gig, yeah. three, four guys in the league, right? I mean, yeah. we're a star-driven league, no two ways around that. And, you know, our job here is to put the biggest stars in the biggest windows. It's also, and you and I have talked about this, it's also to try to capture that rising star, I feel like we've kind of done that with Buffalo. I feel like over the last couple of years, I don't, I don't want to say we've slowly doled them out because that's not really true, but you, you went from not really having a whole lot of national windows to having a couple and then having a couple of more. And then Thanksgiving day, that day down in Dallas, a couple of years ago, down in new Orleans, you know, finding homes for big bills games so that our fans can meet Josh Allen and the rest of the team. It's not a one man team. We know that, but it, we're, we're all, you know, what Parcells always used to say, we are what our record is. I mean, the bills record has been too good over the past few years to not reward them with national television. They have played their way in the prime time and where you and I might've talked a couple of years ago about, Hey, Buffalo might be, you know, a good opponent, if you match them up with new England or Dallas or green Bay or whatever. Now I do think we have shifted to where Buffalo is the primary draw. Right. And yeah, they still play Kansas city. They still play new England. They still play green Bay, but you know, now you can think about, you know, almost any division game you could see on a Monday night. And with the weather that we had up in Buffalo for the Monday night or last year, you know, ESPN is like, Hey, we'll go back to Buffalo (laughs) a nightmare for our sky cam operator, but it was great theater. It was great television. So yes, please to, you know, multiple Buffalo games on Monday night football. Um, And again, you, you have to think about our biggest windows. We're not quite done yet. Obviously we still have a few more weeks and the pieces are still moving around. But you know, when we think about our biggest windows, You know, we talked a little bit about Thanksgiving already. The Bills have been on Thanksgiving quite a bit recently. Two out of the last three years, right? Well, they they do play Detroit on the road, and somebody's got to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving. It could be Buffalo. It could be Miami. It could be a cross-flex where we take a, a Fox game and we make it, you know, Chicago or Green Bay or something like that. There are options, but Buffalo's got to be one of them. You know, same thing if you think about kickoff in L.A., Right. You know, the Rams are hosting week one. You know, they're playing on that Thursday night, that big welcome back to football game. So it's going to be one of the nine Rams opponents and Buffalo is one of them, too. So I don't know if we're going to find them in both of those windows, but certainly to your point, you know, finding homes for Josh Allen and the Bills, big national windows. Now, I don't think our fans are like, oh, I'll watch a Bills game. I haven't seen them in a while. Now it's oh, I'll watch a Bills game. I know the Bills. They play fun football. They play great games. And Josh Allen's a superstar. I'm going to watch. So those are the kind of things how we, I think, have transitioned over the last couple of years to, oh, here's one Monday night game. Let's see how that works. Or, oh, let's put him in the Saturday pool and here's how that works. I think we're well beyond that now. I think as you talk about maximizing a team across national television, the Bills are in that conversation. All right. So the opener, you brought it up. That's the big thing we talk about a lot. We're trying to figure that out. And obviously you can either give clues or, you know, however it works out here, but 
Well, let me ask you this. Would, would Dallas still be a consideration sure. and high consideration, even though they just did this last year? Sure. And how much does Von Miller now coming to Buffalo maybe play into this as well, since he just came from the Rams winning a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Look, there's a lot of these kind of, you know, players returning to their, you know, previous team kind of storylines. Those are always good for, you know, the pregame shows and stuff. I'm not sure any of these quite rise to the, you know, Brady returning to New England, but certainly Russell Wilson going back to Seattle, Carson Wentz going back to Indianapolis and yeah, Von Miller going back to LA. I know he wasn't there long, but he got his ring. So, you know, these things have a little extra emotion. They have a little bit extra storylines. It's something for, you know, the pregame shows to talk about. And if we're lucky, it drives initial tune in. All we can really hope for is that fans know the game is on. They know what network it's on and they'll sit down and they'll tune in a kickoff. After that, it's out of our hands. If it's 21, nothing at the end of the first quarter, they'll probably go find something else to do with their time. But if it's a good game, they'll stay. So the goal here is to get people in front of their televisions. One way you do that is by playing Dallas, right? So you put Dallas Rams for kickoff, you know, you're going to be just fine as we've done, you know, the last couple of years, you could put a San Francisco into the Rams for week one. They played a couple of great games last year, three of them really Mm -hmm. um, at an NFC championship game rematch. So a 49ers at the Rams game would work. You could do Denver right there. You know, Russell Wilson's first game in Broncos orange. <laughs> Heck yeah. In, in kickoff. And let's watch Aaron Donald chase him around wearing a different uniform. There's a lot of good choices. Um, the way we used to work is we would kind of start this schedule with week one and we would build sequential weeks. And then you would, if you were going to be able to make any changes, all the changes would be in the back half of the schedule. So by this point in time, in previous years, really the first half of the schedule would probably be done already. And then if you're just making changes or tweaks or, Oh, look at that. Somebody got traded or somebody uh, held out or whatever it is, you know, those changes are going to come in the second half. We don't really work that way anymore. Thankfully the software and the hardware is so much better that you can make a change in week one, just as easily as you can in week 16. So now it's not a question of saying, Oh, this game has to be in this week. Now it's really telling the computers and the software for the Rams in week one for kickoff, Here are your choices. You could play Denver, Buffalo, Dallas, San Francisco, or Atlanta, whatever it is. And you tell the computer, here's your options. And then the computer, every night, as it goes and searches through this infinite solution space, will take a handful of the machines, a handful of the resources, and lock in Denver for kickoff, and a handful of the resources and lock in Buffalo, and a handful of the resources and lock in Dallas. And then they'll all go search all night long, until we turn them off or write a new rule. We get in in the morning and we look at all the schedules. Well, this one put Dallas in for kickoff and it's a pretty good schedule, but for this three game road trip or that one o'clock window for CBS, this one put Buffalo into kickoff and it's a pretty good schedule, but for this NBC sequencing in October, and I'm not sure that's a good enough Saturday pool for the NFL network down there in week 15. And this one put San Francisco into the Rams for kickoff. And it's really good, except for that one fatal flaw right there. I don't think we would ever ask a team to play, you know, a cross country, Monday night road game and then come home and then go right back out on the road cross country again to a Saturday, something like that. So the computer's got the flexibility to go down a whole bunch of different branches of the search tree. So I could be looking at a schedule today and the commissioner can say, give us the best one you got. And it might have Buffalo for kickoff, but he comes down and he asks for tomorrow's best schedule. It might have Denver for kickoff. And if he waits until Thursday, we're probably going to have a pretty good one with San Francisco for kickoff. So we're not as locked in as we used to be on some of those big windows. We've narrowed the pool of applicants, maybe, you know, there's guardrails, but to say right now that we know definitively what game will be kickoff or what game will be Thanksgiving or what game will be Sunday night football in week four, it's just not accurate anymore. The computers spin every night and everything changes, hopefully within the rules and the parameters and the constraints that we've written, but the schedule can look very different from day to day. Is it possible to have a too good of a matchup for week one because you want to push it somewhere else? Like people look and go, wait, why would they put the bills there? People are going to watch that game anyway. The answer to your question is yes. Um, We wrestle constantly with, you know, is it the window or is it the matchup? And like we said, you can, I think you can get fans to the television at kickoff based predominantly on the window, but then it is matchup driven, right? We all have a million things going on in our lives and acknowledge it's hard to commit three hours to watching a football game on television. So you 
gotta have a game that sounds like a football game. That's what our boss, Howard Katz always says. It sounds like a football game. And then once it starts, it actually is one. So, you know, is there, is there value to holding on to an asset and saving it for later and not deploying it on kickoff weekend? Absolutely. Yes. But it also brings some risk, right? Like you talked about a Dallas at Rams game, a Dallas Cowboys at the Super Bowl champion LA Rams game sounds like a football game. And it's going to be a quality piece of inventory for any one of our broadcast partners, any week of the season. But the later you wait, the longer you save that game, you're hoping that, you know, playoff implications are increasing and fan interest rises, but you're also bringing in the risk of one or both teams struggling, you know, having an injury or worse going the other way and having clinched right. Dallas locked up the NFC East kind of early last year. And that made for some of their late season division games to be not as impactful as we had hoped that they would have been when we put the schedule out in April. So every year it's a question of, you know, risk mitigation and maximizing the return and hoping that the games you put into the biggest windows perform as well as you hope they would when you put them there, you know, six months ago. And I know we're getting a new stadium here in, in four years, you know, and everything. There's been a lot of talk about, well, you know, they don't want to have primetime games here in Buffalo. The technology isn't as good. It's a 50-year-old stadium. Is there any truth to that? Do you guys no. stay away from that or is it does no. not matter? No. No. Yeah. If, if the football team has earned uh, primetime television right. games, the television networks, to their credit, will make it work. Right. Yes. They may say, Hey, you know, the slash position or the reverse 50 or the copper (laughs) or the fiber or whatever it is, isn't as good in this building versus that building. But to say that, you know, NBC walked in this year and said, please don't send us to Buffalo completely false ESPN. Like we talked about again, I'm I'm sure they're rooting for a night with less than 40 mile an hour wins, but they will gladly go back to Buffalo. If the football team is good, they will work around the, the technological limitations. No question about that. All right. Before we wrap up here, um, I am curious, is there, because we're coming out of the pandemic and I'm seeing all these concerts go around in the country now, is that making it more challenging this year? Like, do you have oh, yes. oh, a lot yes. of stadiums that have issues now and in, in conflict? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, we're, we're in the entertainment business. So too are, you know, all these venues, many of which were built with public money and taxpayer dollars. And um, of course, Fans want to see, you know, Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift and Elton John and whoever else is back out there on the road. BTS is actually probably going out. That's probably the biggest one. Um, Look, the the question is always, you know, can we book other events in our building? And the answer is always we will do our very best. Cannot promise you until the schedule comes out that you will be on the road in week seven as requested. But if you are on the road in week seven, don't turn around and scream bloody murder. If you were also on the road in week six and eight and you caught yourself a little three game road trip, or, you know, you wanted to block your building in week five for something. And then your bye week fell there and like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We don't want the early bye. Look, if you add stadium constraints to an already impossible problem to solve, you have to expect that there's going to be some ramifications of those decisions. And so like every club, like the league does every year, it's trying to balance, you know, revenue versus, you know, the competitive implications of all of these decisions. You know, every team in the league wants the same exact schedule, right? Everybody wants to open at home, close at home, midseason buy. Nobody wants to go to Florida in September. Nobody wants to come to Buffalo in January. You know, we, we can't make that schedule. So there's going to be pain. There's going to be things that are going to bring challenges. And if we add stadium availability issues, those challenges are exacerbated. They should be exacerbated for the teams that have brought on you know, those extra constraints, if you're the one booking Taylor Swift and you're the one whose building is not right. available in week seven, you're the one who should catch a three game road trip in week six, seven, eight, as opposed to it randomly manifesting itself over there in Buffalo or Green Bay who don't have stadium constraints. So it's a constant battle. Um But the answer to your question is yes. Everybody is touring again. It's been two years since all these acts got to travel and, you know, live nation and the other big touring companies are trying to work with us. They're trying to give us the flexibility that that we need just to get our schedule done. And for the most part, our teams accept the fact that, Hey, if we ask for this, we acknowledge it may not work to our benefit, at least in terms of, you know, the head coach's perception, but this is important to our building. It's important to our market. Uh, it's important to our revenue. You know, yes, we, we acknowledge that there might be pain, more pain for us as a result, but we would like you to 
put us on the road in week two so that we could have Elton John or Lady Gaga come through. We'll work around as many of those as we can. Um, but everybody knows uh, everything's written in pencil, you know, until the schedule comes out in May. Metallica, Def Leppard, Poison, and Motley Crue all coming to Buffalo in August, back-to-back nights, so it's preseason, but uh, we'll work that out. I'm hoping to catch that. It's going to be very interesting to see how all this works. And uh, what we're looking at, first couple of weeks of May, Mike, uh, the uh, schedule coming out right after the draft? Yeah, this is the new normal. It used to come out like right before the draft, yep. and it would almost kind of blindside people. Now April is really all about the draft. It's really all about these prospects, these kids whose lives are about to change, and really getting to meet them, getting to know them, doing all our mock drafts. And then you get kind of a week after the draft to sort of see, oh, that was unexpected, or who won and who lost, and who got their draft grades. And then after about a week of that, now everybody kind of turns their attention to, okay, we know who's playing where, now let's find out who's playing when. And the schedule release kind of stands on its own as a little bit of a tent pole and uh, probably going to try something a little bit new this year, a little bit different, maybe kind of bleed out a couple of games, you know, one game at a time, try to make that whole week there of May nice. 10, 11, 12, whatever that's going to be, whatever final release day is going to be. Um, think try to have like a little storyline for every day. Maybe it's the international games one day and then it's kickoff one day and then it's uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, or maybe it's everybody's home openers or something like that. Try to have like some, some little breadcrumbs, some little uh, Easter eggs along the way so that on release day, we've kind of whetted everybody's appetite and they're already probably mad at us, but they can finish getting mad at us when the whole thing comes out on Thursday or so. Mike North, Vice President of Broadcasting with the NFL. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you so much. It's, it's my pleasure to talk to you every year, man. Always good to talk to you too, Sal. Thanks a lot. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.